Hello and welcome to Leadership Behaviours Unpacked. Today I'm joined by Helen Lacey. Helen established Redberry Recruitment in 2007 and recently sold the business to HR Go PLC. Helen has a vast amount of experience as a board director and a non-exec director. She's chaired the Somerset Institute of Directors and the Somerset Chamber of Commerce, amongst others. She's also received multiple awards recognising her leadership contribution and her leadership capability. Helen's dedication to growing her own business, as well as supporting business development across the Southwest, is incredible. And her energy is beyond belief. Her experience in growing her business and then selling it in 2020 has been a tough one with a lot of real highs and some recent lows. And it's led to her acknowledging several lessons um, around leading and running a business, which she's going to share with us today. I'm really delighted to welcome Helen to share her story. Helen, welcome. Helen, I'm really delighted that you've been able to join me today. And um, your story's always been really interesting to me. I think from the first time I met you and you talked about your journey into business and what you created has always been kind of fascinating. But I'm aware that you've made some really big changes recently. And I wonder whether you could just start by telling us a little bit about your journey. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Jane, for inviting me onto your podcast. It's so exciting. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, for those of you guys that obviously probably have never heard of me, uh, my name is Helen Lacey um, and I set up a recruitment agency called Redberry Recruitment in 2007. And the idea was to set up one branch to offer clients an amazing service um, in temporary and permanent recruitment in the general market. And at that point, I was living in Somerset and I decided, well, I moved to ditch it. So we opened up in, in Shepton Mallet. Little did I know that we were going to have the success, um, even though you aim for success, uh, have the success that, that we did in the first year. And it was a phenomenal year. We did, I think, half a million in our in our first year and made profit, which I've been wow. told, obviously, now in business, yeah, you, yeah. Know, so you don't always make profit in your first no. year. And we grew and grew and we won awards. We, um, I won awards like for director of the year. Uh, and over the, probably the first seven years was phenomenal. Like we just literally exponential growth, uh, great profits. And then we started seeing changes in the recruitment markets around about sort of 2000 and I'd say 2014. So yeah, literally that's seven years. Even though I was still on a, in my head, still on a growth phase, um, things in the recruitment market started to change. I sadly, in some ways, and I know this is obviously what a lot of this is, is podcast is about today, yes. decided to plow on and continue thinking, you know, we've got this great brand and, you know, we've got this, you know, most of the team are amazing yeah. and decided to expand even more. So we went from two to four branches um, quite quickly. And I think that growth um, impacted from cash flow, the, the economy that it was with recruitment, the, the lack of candidates in the market, um, the, the demand from clients for low margins on the temp side, the technology changes. There was so much. It's literally like a really sort of like a, a jigsaw puzzle of things that could go wrong were going wrong. And unfortunately, I didn't 
I saw the signs. I was being warned of the signs with regards to seeing the profit going down and the sales going down. Yeah. But in a non-egotistical way, in a non-arrogant way, I thought I could change it because I'd set up this company and we'd done so well for so many years. Um, But I was probably naive because I didn't go out and ask for help. I didn't know who to ask. And that was probably then the start of the decline. It started to go down and down and down. And unfortunately, I had to exit the company. So so, um, to a national um, uh, in two stages of which I now have come through the other side, which is great. Um, and I'm now a consultant for going back to what I did originally, which is um, recruitment, which I genuinely 100% love. You know, it's it's less stress. It's my passion. Rec- you know what? Helping people in recruitment yeah. is what I'm, I'm here to do. I can't imagine doing anything else, even though, you know, there might be a, a second career. I just have learned so much, and I want other people to, to know that, yes, you can come through the other side. However... When you're going mm. through it, you think you're the only one. But if there's signals yeah. that people can pick up on, then you need to listen to those signals. So going back to 2007, yeah, what was your dream for Redberry when you first set it up? I think the dream was always to be the agency of choice without um, to create a brand mm. that people, when they said recruitment, it wasn't like, oh, let's Google a recruitment agency. It was like, oh, Redberry. Yeah. And we got that. We, I, we, yeah. the company achieved a brand because everyone like called us berries. We didn't even have to say that we were a recruitment agency. We were like, oh yeah, Redberry, yeah. we do recruitment. Yeah. So my dream was to do that. And I did that. That was yes. what I achieved. And I managed to achieve great success with a brand that even now people are like, oh, you're, you're Redberry. You know, yeah. even I've worked for two years or, and I have been obviously a consultant for HRG for two years. Um, which is great. And I love that because, you know, the, I think branding business is so important. And, and Berry was, just because I think you you were um, running Berry when I first met you. And it was, I was just in awe of the kind of brand that you'd created and everything that went around that, even to the kind of, you know, your, your Redberry gin that you yep. created and everybody... Everybody would, and you have an amazing reputation in the southwest. Southwest. I mean, you mentioned director of the year. You know, you were chair of the Institute of Directors, chair of Chamber of Commerce. You know, you've driven, I think, the the profile not only of Redberry and recruitment, but I think women in leadership roles in the southwest and, and beyond the southwest, actually. But I think to me, I'd always looked at you quite in awe of kind of what you'd achieved and what you represented for that brand and for women, I think, in business. Yeah, thank you, Jill. I, I don't, yeah, I, 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 I agree that I think being a woman in business and running a multi-million, multi-site location is quite unusual down in, in this area. Um, I think I'm fortunate in some ways that it sounds awful. I don't have children. So my full attention was always with my business at the detriment of maybe relationships in the past because I was yeah. so driven. Okay. And I think being a female in business, you know, it sounds awful, but there a lot of the times when you get a successful guy, they are being supported by a very strong female who lets that chap go out and do everything. Whereas yeah. unfortunately, not all the time, I think women in business, when they've got running a family, they always have to put careers and, and stuff on hold or they're trying to juggle everything. And if they're not getting the support, then that's, that's the challenge. So I admire women who set up companies with children no matter what size business it is because it's so difficult you know and I was able to focus purely on that but I think what I did with doing all of those board positions and everything was I stretched myself very thinly 
Um, yeah. And that was obviously something else that I've learned is I'm probably too giving to people with my time. Um, yeah. And sometimes at, at the detriment of what, what your main focus is. So again, I, I've learned from, from that side. And that's a really interesting one. I think that sort of, cause I, I remember kind of when I first knew you and we worked um, with Institute of Directors together. And I remember that kind of, you know, you were always working and whether that was, you know, Redberry work, whether that was committee roles, business leadership roles kind of within the community. It was huge. You were working all the time in terms of growing your business, other people's businesses. And actually, I guess those business connections, which recruitment is quite unusual as well, isn't it? Where your business depends on all of your connections with local businesses. Yes, absolutely. I'm a a great believer in supporting whoever I can. I, I think, though I don't always and haven't always had I know it reciprocated back for whatever reason and sometimes just because people haven't been able to introduce me to maybe the person I want to or they don't think I think sometimes people are quite blinkered whereas I think you know say yourself myself and others can see the connection I I love like sort of thinking outside the box it's a bit of a cliche so but recently um, I've just connected two charities that are both completely different they're actually really similar and I think I believe they can actually really work together and um, they're like oh my god what a great like it's been an amazing connection and they're like we never would have thought to have reached out to this business or this charity and I think trying to help other companies in Somerset in particular you know it, I benefited from it from a, from a brand profile and from the company and Redberry's business but other businesses I know met so many amazing uh, well clients now for, for these businesses and some some people have met probably them they're some of their biggest clients at the events that I put on um, because I like I like it when communities come together and I think with the IOD, I don't think, obviously, we, were, we had, we, you know, you and I and the team that we had probably had the strongest Somerset IOD team that I think they've had for a really long time. I, I genuinely do because, you know, we, we drove it. It's like the Somerset Chamber. I'm very fortunate that I chaired that. You know, they've handed it over to a really great, obviously, chair now, um, and they've got a really strong team. I think you are only as successful as the team that you've got. And that's where, again, I think, with with Redberry, I know I had some amazing people, but as we grew, sometimes that that culture that you instill in your staff, um, you know what you try and bring out, you know, is the best in positivity. If you're not always there, or if you give too much power to somebody, or if you take your eye off the ball, it can filter through in the wrong way. And and unfortunately, that again, that was one of the one of the lessons I, I learned is, you know, though you, you create a culture of honesty and integrity and all of those really good qualities, not everybody always wants to be on board. Yeah. Going back to Redberry in the recent decision, there's a kind of in a link that kind of just popped up for me, which is, which I hadn't thought about before, which is, you know, you are an incredibly strong woman. You've supported businesses you know, huge numbers of other businesses. And you said about how you, it hasn't always been reciprocated. And I'm quite interested in that because you talked um, in a talk you gave last week and, and we talked about the fact that you didn't feel you asked for help when you probably needed it. You ploughed mm-hmm. on, you had that kind of pride that you were going to make it happen. What's that kind of link between that and actually, you know, you were viewed as somebody incredibly strong and actually you've got this, you're doing it. So therefore, People were, were they likely to offer you help or just think she's got it? She's doing it. I don't, and I, well, nobody offered me help because nobody knew what was going on. Okay. And I, I am very good, like a lot of us are, yeah, yeah. on the face. It's like you put on your mask, like you put on your makeup, yeah. you put on the smile, 
those that really knew me that knew what was going on knew it what it was fake you know I was having to dig deep and wake up in the morning and you know the truth be told there was a long period of my time I'd get up and I cried I had to dig deep yeah. I was having to you know sell, sell a business I was having to deal with staffing issue because you know there was comments and things being going on and it was it just got really nasty but you know I was still a human being but people don't yeah. always see that they see as you said they see a profile they see uh somebody who's in the almost in the public climate and I, I've got probably about 14 scrapbooks of every magazine article I've been on every newspaper it is it is like mind-blowing because I think Christ almighty I was in the public eye a lot yeah, and there's a lot were. of people that want to see people fail I didn't want to give them that satisfaction <laughs> and I yeah. think that yeah. was what the pride was the pride wasn't just about yeah. I didn't know who to go to for help. So I was asking the accountant and I was asking my management accountant, like, you know, is there like, who do I go to? And they were like, oh, I don't know. They they should have said to me, right, we will look at, I don't know, insolvency practice. Like we will, you know, that's their job. In my eyes, they, they know finance. I didn't, but they didn't come out with any suggestions. I was scrabbling around in the dark trying to find buyers, trying to do something because they didn't help me. They They didn't help me. But then from the outside in, everyone was like, they, we were still promoting. We were still with this amazing, um, the events we put on and everything, because that is the show. You know, people don't want to know. It's like, oh, my God, what's going on? Because that would affect, that would have damaged the brand. Um, so I know I can come out of this. And the, the Red Berry came out of this, actually, with her head held high and how I dealt with everything, you know, with utmost integrity, but not speaking to anybody was because I was so, I was so embarrassed. I, you know, I was just like, oh, my God, I've had this four million pound company that at the height of sale probably would have net netted me a million pounds in the bank. Yeah. And I'm now selling for next next to nothing. And that that is hard. But you learn from it. And actually, you know, I'm probably in a better place now. I'm earning more money, weirdly, um, than I yeah. have, have before. And I don't have any staffing stress. And, you know, I'm genuinely loving what I do. But it's been a journey. It's like, I'm now over the bereavement. And that's a really interesting word, isn't it? That that actually, that's a really strong word. But I think, you know, when you've put your heart and soul into a, into a business, it's different. You know, I think if you're a director in a big corporate, you it's, it's ne- it, yes, it's hard if actually that comes to an end in a way that is not kind of what your dream was, but actually it's not your baby. Um, whereas actually Redberry was your creation. It was... Yeah, four four branches. So I had the newest one was was Cardiff. So that was like eight eight nine months old, probably just under under a year when we closed that one. And the oldest one uh, was what thirteen fourteen. Yeah. So it's like having four children of different ages. But the hard one of the not the hardest thing wasn't just making the decision, you know. And I held on to not making redundancies before selling the company, you know, and that was painful enough, you know. I. I'm probably yeah too nice in business at times, which is a good thing in in some ways because people yeah. they can come to me. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. And I did I, I dealt with an awful lot of my staff situations, but you know that's what you do as a, as an MD. So you know you sort of take it on on your shoulders. Um, but the, one of the hardest things was to be honest, Jane, was going into the Bridgewater office after I'd sold Redberry's first fifty one percent to HR Go and clearing it out. I did it by myself um, I, for various reasons. You know, we, yeah. we, it's just cheaper for me to do that. And that was hard. I It was horrendous. I had to like suck it up and go into that office and pack. That was the first one, pack everything up, 
and you know I I, I love like memories so that obviously things that my staff are like 10 year anniversary like you know sign cards and yeah. stuff that you keep on your pin board um we did like um artwork um I know you, you said sort of about like creative stuff and we, we've done teamwork where we create an artwork for Redberry and that was being taken off the wall and that was hard that yeah. was really really difficult now because unfortunately HRGO have decided to close the branches um, and make the staff redundant because that's the decision that they've made. Um, I can go in to the branch now if obviously I've still got a set of keys. It's all been rebranded HRGO. doesn't really bother me. Yeah. Uh, and I don't have an affinity. I don't have that feeling anymore because it's taken me, what, we started the process in end of, end of 2019 uh, I started speaking to HR Go. Uh, uh, no, hang on a minute, 2018, because okay. I joined in 2019. So it's been a long yeah. journey. So yeah. it's like two years nearly. What what would you've talked a number of times and but but people listening to this won't have heard your you talked about the kind of the lessons that you've learned and having sort of I guess come through that grieving process and reflecting and thinking, okay, what would I have done differently? What are what are the top things that you would do differently if you had that time again okay so particularly for for me um in the industry that I'm in I would not have opened up specific locations it is easy easy to do recruitment now remotely and especially for permanent recruitment it's obviously a lot easier for perms um but and temporary you just sort of need a, a presence but we, because we were quite heavily on the temp we decided to have these locations and but that's really costly my overheads yeah. I think were with salaries bonuses and all my overheads were at least at, at height 500 550,000 a year okay you need to be making a lot of and we were don't get me wrong there were times when you know there, there was a lot of money in the bank um so yeah, I wouldn't have expanded into new locations. I'd have looked at. I would have used the technology now to have worked yeah. remotely. So that's that. Or have a hub, have a hub where people could go to, so they could still have the buzz of the office. Yeah. You know, so that but without be- those massive overheads yeah. and yeah. Not overstretch myself. Having sat on the four boards at one point, uh, running multiple. I, I set up a breakfast club for the community. Um, I obviously was, you know, with Chamber IOD. Uh, I'm a Ned for another one. Um, there's, there's four at one point. I was given or let the left as well. I was given so much time to other people, and don't get me wrong, I love that. But you're then having to play catch up, and so you're taking your eye off the ball. And so, yeah, just if you love what you do, great to help others, but only do that if your business is in such a strong position that you actually can do that so making some really conscious choices about yeah being a bit more selfish to to I think one of the one of the questions that I often ask when clients come here is about you know if you choose to do x what are you choosing not to do because there's always that flip side of people like oh it's not like that but you think it actually is and actually it's almost like when you can articulate it like that even if that I'm choosing not to spend time doing something that I want to do or, or whatever, but actually I think being able to really articulate the fact that it is a choice can help you just to clarify it. Like you said, you suddenly you become so spread yeah. that your energy levels must have been it frayed. Was, it was, and I think actually COVID for me has been a game changer. So even with the, all the hours I was doing with Redberry, 
and when I sold 51%, um, I think we signed the dotted line on, on 2009. Uh, it was literally 9.30 at night in the solicitor's office after five hours of being with in there looking at the, uh, some clauses. Yeah. Very, very tiring. So literally, it was like you say, mid, mid-summer of 2019. But at least all of the rest of that year and the start of before COVID, I was still working, right, still doing the networking, still doing as much as I could. I'd stopped, stepped down from some of the things because the, the chairmanships had come to an end or, or the committee roles had come to an end. Um, but I still stretch and I was traveling, you know, and I think a lot of yeah. us, I think we talked yesterday briefly, didn't we, on, yeah. on the phone about the amount of travel that we did pre-COVID. COVID for me now has made me realise that I don't have to travel as much. So my work-life balance, oh, my God, and I'm so much happier for it. And I don't feel that you you need to to do all the networking events like I, I used to. You know, the lunches. I, I'd sometimes do a breakfast, a lunch and a dinner. Yeah. I'd be up at 5.30. I wouldn't get home until 10.30 at night. No. And there's a lot of driving. I think people think that if you particularly when you when people think about Somerset and they think oh it must be lovely when you kind of live somewhere like that and you work somewhere like that the distances between places here are huge oh. yeah. huge it was an hour to my office I, I when I was lived in Shepton it wasn't an issue it was like 10, 10 minutes up the road then when I opened up Yeovil that's okay that was only like sort of 30 minutes it was when I opened up Bridgewater and I was living in Shepton that that journey is such a windy road and in the dark it's very dangerous so then obviously I bought a house in Bridgewater and then obviously selling the company then I was then having to then travel back up to Shepton and Yeovil for Bridgewater and not to mention all of the networking events which then could be in Exeter all over they were all all over over. yeah so I think then the third lesson learned so yeah first one obviously would be I wouldn't have expanded into specific locations. Second one would be, you know, don't overstretch yourself. And the third one, to be honest, was make sure that the people that you employ have the same vision, morals, drive. And that is the hardest thing, because what a human Mm. says to another human isn't always what their actions are. You'd like to think that I'm a very honest person. I literally, I, I say what I'm going to do um, and I do what I'm going to say, um, whereas not everyone does. And I was stung quite badly, especially in the, the last year or so with certain individuals that worked for me. And that was hard because you've worked a long time with these people and mm. you suddenly feel that you've, I felt as if I'd almost lost control of my own company because yeah. this person in particular had sort of infiltrated and it wasn't great. It wasn't great. And it's interesting given the job, the job that you do. And so, you know, you're always bringing people into to organisations um, and it's tough, that recruitment process, isn't it? And finding that match because you don't want people to be too much like you yeah. Um, because you want that challenge and you want people to have different skills. Yeah. How would you do that differently next time? How would, because sometimes people change as well, don't they? Yeah. Is it about dealing with it quicker I put a lot of processes into place when I first set the company up, like training manuals and interview processes, mm. which a particular individual, as they got more into the business, started sort of trying to, to change things and saying it was for the best. And I was so focused on other things. I was like, okay. well, that's yeah. what I'm employing you to do. I, I trust yeah. you. And there was, there was agendas there. There was an agenda. And that's the challenge is they don't always come in like that. You know, sometimes you can see them which you have a probation period. So they don't always come in like, I'm going to damage your company. No. <laughs> but there are times when 
if you don't see, and it's hard it's hard getting rid of staff you know you have to do it properly um, and it's really hard when you have personal relationships and being a small company you know you're so close Absolutely. to everybody the thing that I would certainly do now is I probably wouldn't be as this is this would be difficult for me I think but again I don't know until it happens I wouldn't have been so friendly and looking after I would like if somebody was off ill I'd text them in the evening like how are you feeling but my MD that I work for now, if I'm off ill, not that I ran, no, she's not going to personally text me. It's a corporate business. And yeah. to start having the, and this is where the friendship business, and then sometimes it'd be used against me. So if I have happened to take a member of staff out to an event and I, and I was paying for them to stay overnight because it was in London, they'd be like, oh, I, I'm with Helen, so I've got one up on everybody else. And it was like, I'm taking you as a member of the team. Yeah. But then they were seen as being a bit more pally and then everyone would be jealous. It's like, it's not like that. But a small business, unfortunately, you get a, that a lot. You do. And, and I think that's a really, really interesting point, Helen, because, you know, you create this and, and as you say, you're open, you're honest, you're you're quite vulnerable in in what you've created and yet you're it's also quite lonely because you've got to manage that that kind of separation if you like because suddenly everyone sees you you're their boss you're their provider but then they're also kind of there's their blurred kind of lines and it, yeah, I, I think it is different in a corporate world because you have very, all sorts of processes and structures very, that can create that separation, but still give you the support. Yeah, 100%. And, and that's the thing I've learned. It's like, funny enough, I actually got told by the operations director for HR Go, he said, you are one of the nicest people, Helen. He said, but he said, you're so nice. He said, I can see what happened with Red Berry. So because he said, not like people walk over you. You, know, you want to please everyone. And I do. My nature is, so I love recruitment. My nature is, is to, to please yeah, people to and please. change people's lives. You know, and I found it very hard to say no to people. And some, absolutely lovely. People like you and myself would go, all right, she said no, that's great. No, 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 no. I would have then that person yeah. go to the person that I gave too much power to who would then come to me and very cleverly manipulate a situation. Now, I'm an intelligent person, but when somebody who has an agenda, somebody who's manipulative, somebody who's trying to win, I guess, uh, praise off the team, I was always going to be seen as the bad person. And that's the thing I've had to toughen up is as the MD, you're not going to be liked by everybody and you have to make decisions. I should have stuck by a lot of the decisions that I made that I went back on over over the, over the, the course of time. Mm. I should have stuck to my ground. I should have gone, no, if you don't like it, if they don't like it, tough luck. Yeah. It's a lonely place to be. It's isn't a re- it? and I didn't want to be in a lonely place. I wanted, no. <laughs> I want, and I wanted to be liked by everybody. And yeah. I and I yeah. and I now realise I can't. So for one example, I'll give an example. So I we had corporate photos done for uh, LinkedIn. I wanted very specific. Everyone to wear something red, whether it be a red tie for a guy or a red jacket. And there was one girl who um, was I say quite very beautiful girl, um, and she wanted her own photo. And the problem is, you allow one person. So the battle that I had with her, and in the end, I thought it's too much. Effort. It was she should have just gone. Yes, you're, you're the boss. I will do that for you. Yeah. And she basically wanted a you know little pouty smiley one. And um, I just I was so drained. This was not right, sort of near the last couple of years, and I was so drained of it all. I just let her carry on. And then the aftermath was well, everybody else wanted wanted them. So I, what I should have done is just you know yeah, it's one corporate photo. Yeah. 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 
And I should have stuck by my guns and went, this is the company policy. But because this person had worked with me for years, we'd been out for dinner, we'd become, we'd actually become friends because she'd worked for quite early on. It was really hard. And then you looked like you'd been a favoritism. And, I, and probably I was to that point because I just, but part of it was like, I just don't need the, the stress. Yeah. I just do, do what you want. And that's a really hard path to tread, isn't it? Where you're in charge, you you get close because you want to. So, you know, you you hear, you know, there's so much advice in leadership, isn't it? You know, you want your people to trust you. Um, you, you know, you want to build good relationships so that you can see what's going on for them, where they need support, how you need to be. But if you're that person doing that, and, and I think it's one of the things that I often kind of say to people when they think about the transitions they're going through or emotions they're going through, like you said at the beginning, leaders are also people. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a kind of like... Uh, a different kind of race it's you're human you've got emotions you 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 know like you say you wake up your in the morning in tears do not see that and I no. can actually say that now so and I think I talked about this when we did the peer space um uh, chat not one of my staff and some of them been with me for 10 years not one person asked me how are you doing Helen are you okay not one and I was spending the whole time going like I know this is difficult I'm doing my best I, I found one of them one a very senior position um one of them was able to stay with the company when we did the um the merger you know a lot of people came up with some very good redundancy pace they had amazing tech like glowing like references for yes. me i did everything i could not but not one person asked me how i was and then when i was i was told by somebody that me coming in all smiley trying to keep the morale up i was being false so i think hang on a minute <laughs> I, can't, I can't come in yeah. crying and be all woe is me which is what i want to do but I obviously yeah. um, need to put on the energy because if I come in, then you're going to be, and I know you're feeling, but if, if there's a little bit yeah. of, come on, guys, like we can get through this. It's trying to keep the wheels moving. Yeah. And yet, nah, they, they weren't interested in the end. And that, and again, it's, it's just interesting how people are very selfish. You know, I like you, I work my, I love what I do. I work my little, guts, little socks off. And even when I was, you know, in a non-career job, I wanted to impress who I was working for. I, I wanted to prove to my manager that, you know, I was really good. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to peel potatoes or whatever it was that, you know, <laughs> I was doing for my first yeah. job. Um, but unfortunately, everybody is like that. No, and it's interesting. I remember kind of my first job and um, working in a branch of a actually I worked for Lloyd's at the time it was my first ever job and I worked in a branch I was useless I didn't know anything I didn't know anything and actually I was grateful if I was asked to make the tea Um, I loved going to the post office I loved going and buying cakes for everyone because actually I felt like I had some use but I remember somebody coming in after me who uh, another kind of a grad trainee and he was like oh you're Janie you I've heard you you're the one who happily I'm not paid to go and get cakes for everyone and I was like but actually, yeah, it's that. But the people pleasing bit, I think, is an interesting one, and that drive. Um, and there are probably some quite strong similarities between our personalities. And I think, and I recognise that, like you say, the waking up in the morning in tears. And I've done that thing, you know, where you're sat in a meeting, you know, you're going to cry because it's all so shit. So you go out to the toilet kind of cry in the yeah. cubicle, wash your face, put your lippy on, walk back in. Nobody has a clue what's going on, yeah. and. With that kind of lesson that you've learned about, you know, you've mentioned about not getting the support that you need, who, what would you do kind of next time? Who would you want in your, um, 
in your in your corner. I think I talked about imposter syndrome in the last episode of this. And actually one of the exercises I talk about and I sometimes work through with clients is about who's in your boardroom, your personal boardroom. So it's like, who have you got around your table that advises you yeah. that you can keep kind of close? So not necessarily to do with your company. Would you have something like that a next time in thinking, yes. right, who are the people I can call on? Yeah, 100%. So whether it was like a board of non-execs, hopefully on a voluntary basis, if you set up a company and you can't afford yeah. anything. Um, <laughs> but funnily enough, reaching out. So last last year, um, when I, we were still going through like the second um, stage with, with um, HR Go, I reached out to a few people for advice as to, you know, what to do. And I speak, spoke to some amazing, like I spoke to, funny enough, um, Kevin from the REC. Yep. Uh, I spoke to some very senior partners of massive law firms and accountancy practices because I have obviously access to that to that level. So now I would I would feel that I could reach out to them and say, look, I'm setting up a, you know, if I was, say, set up a new company or I've got this challenge, you know, can I talk to you about it? Because now I feel that I've done the hardest thing, which was putting my heart on my sleeve and saying to these individuals, this is last at the end of last year, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. You know, yeah. I, I don't know whether to obviously stay with HR Go. I don't know. I've got to, you know, I'm, at that point, we didn't know we were going to be selling the rest of the shares. Things were sort of a bit, very challenging for me last year with certain things going on within the company. Um, obviously, it's all worked out now, which is, which is brilliant. Yeah. But I reached out to people that I trusted um so I went through my little yeah. sort of black book on LinkedIn and, and I spoke to business consultants um obviously some coaches um some say leaders of some big organizations and just got their opinion and and it was nice to have just have a sounding board and so absolutely I would definitely I would have no <clears throat> problems now in putting my pride to one side because look what happened when I didn't yeah. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is that I could I could easily go to probably half a dozen, a dozen people, say like yourself and, and others and go, I need to speak to you. Like, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. Isn't it interesting that we we see the kind of pride and almost like have been, I don't know whether it's a generational thing or whether it's a personality thing. I don't know. But it's something about we feel we have to do it on our own. That I reaching think- out for help is so hard. Yeah. I definitely think some of it is uh, an age thing. I think that, well, I'm 46 this year and my mum is a very strong woman. You know, my mum's gone through a lot of stuff in her life and yeah. you know, I admire her so much. You know, she's not a businesswoman, she'll say that herself, but her strength, her personality, yeah. even though she's very unassuming and she probably self-doubts a lot, she has a, a quiet strength about her. And I know that I've taken that 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 strength. Um, but it is... Yeah, I, I just think a woman in business is, is challenging as it is. Nothing to ask for help is 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 hard. But I think when you have always had to dig deep, and and I, and, and I was bullied as a kid, and you know I had a, an eating disorder. All of these things make you yeah. the way that you are. I've always tried to deal with it myself. I've always had to, yeah. you know, always not had to because I've had like my amazing friends and family. But I've always felt for some reason, and again, it's that DNA thing. Is you know how that's what's like psychology and human behaviour fascinates yeah. me. So what what makes us take the way that we that we do? It's obviously here, but what affected my yeah. head when I was a kid for me to behave the way I do now? Yeah, and 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 I think when you you give so much to other people and the support. And I think what I'd love, and one of the things I'd love to come out of conversations like this, and thank you so much um, for sharing this, Helen. I, it's really generous of you to do it. And I 
Um, one of the things I'd love to come out of people hearing these conversations is it's okay to ask for help. And it should be the norm mm. that actually we reach out to other people in business. We ask for help, yeah. whether that's on a personal level, as a sounding board. And we do that as a kind of norm. And it's not just, you know, and I think sometimes, isn't it, we look at, and I think I shared with you yesterday about, you know, even these podcasts and actually it took me a long time to start them because I've honest and actually uh, yet last week's episode about imposter syndrome the irony was huge because it was like I was thinking (laughs) here's me talking about it and what you can do about it and it's taken me weeks to record it because I didn't think anyone wanted to listen to me talk about it and but but actually it's that's in so many of our heads isn't it about actually let's just get out there talk about it people can disagree with us um people can have different ideas but we get people used to the fact that it's okay to reach out, discuss things, explore yeah. options and get support. Yeah. And I, and I definitely 100% now, I, I don't feel if I asked anyone that they would be laughing at me. I don't no. feel if I asked that they would be judging me. And, but I, I've learned a lot about myself. So not only has, has, has COVID for me, this person, especially this last year, give me time to reflect on sort of my lifestyle balance, as we said, but yeah. also about what is important. And what is important is, you know, and I I am such a strong person. I've never suffered, you know, like like from depression or anxiety or anything like that. But there was de- looking back, there definitely was a, a part of my life during the phase I was going through when I was in a, such a low place. I, I, I use the word depression very carefully because, you know, people bandy it around and actually, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's a very <laughs> severe thing to have. I was low. I'd, I'd, I'd low mood without question. I, I love the gym. Like, you love your exercise. But when I turned up at the gym one day, and this is like so clear in my head, I turned up and I was doing it because I was feeling guilty that I wasn't giving my body <laughs> or any time. So I, yeah. I turned everything in. I yeah. got to the gym. I put my gym wear on. One of the instructors came in and she went, are you okay? And I just burst into tears. She went, you need to go home. I said, I am shattered. She, she said, you look it. She yeah. said, you look ill. I was like, but I have to go to the gym. I have And she's like, Helen, seriously, stop it. You know, and yeah. when you have that, from years ago to then now where I go for my morning walk and you know like I'm like and you see the joy in it and yeah back to enjoying and back to back to that again you know I don't yeah I'd reach out to anyone if I if I now felt that I needed some advice you Vic uh Williams um I'm just trying to think you know you know people I've got a guy from Shane Evans that I know you know all of these most amazing people that have come into my life I would utilize because yeah. they know that I would help them like, you know, if you ask me, like, like today, like, you've asked me yeah. to do this. I'm yeah. delighted to be asked, and I'm delighted to help you and, and your listeners, you know, if they can sort of glean something from this. You know, I'm happy to help. And now I understand that people are happy to help me. Yes. If I ask <laughs> and it's yes, the connection. Five years to do this. <laughs> yes, and probably would be honoured to help you. I think that's the thing, isn't it? We almost see it as a weakness to ask for help. But when we're asked for help... We're really honoured to be asked for help that someone would trust us to do it and actually realising that applies the same, that actually asking other people for help yes. gives them that. 100%. Folks, I was always very good at asking for charity stuff. So, you know, I'm a little bit of a like, guys on LinkedIn or Twitter or wherever, I did yeah. that as a charity event and I need some stuff for the auction. People love it. And what, all the charities yes. I support or ambassadors for um, are like, how do you do it? I'm like, I just ask really nicely because they know that I'm going to promote their business. They know that um, they're helping a charity. They know that we're going to get some, some say, 
altruistic feelings and it's all going to be fine. Absolutely. But yeah. if you don't ask, you don't get. And I, no. it's, but I never asked for help. So I never got any help. But now I know I can. <laughs> <laughs> for, for anybody starting out in business in now, so either starting their own business or starting their career, what advice would you give them? What would be the one overriding? Do what you love. Do what you love. Do not be pushed into doing something you, uh, your family, your friends think you'll be great at. If you love sewing and you think that you can make a business from sewing and you've got the financial backing because the worry of, of setting up yeah, a business yeah, yeah. financially is, is the big thing. I was lucky that when I set Redberry up, um, I was with a, with a partner who said that he would support and all of that, which took that pressure off me. Um, you know, sadly not now. But you know, <laughs> but I loved recruitment, and and I think if you are passionate and love, it, it comes across. Like yes. the worst thing that you know, so you know, you're you're a business coach, and you probably see it all the time when when people go, "I really like what I do." It's like really, yeah. like you're not sounding it, you're not looking like it. So why are people yeah. going to come to you compared to the person that's genuinely? excited about what that absolutely passion and 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 follow follow, so follow your passion follow your passion follow follow your heart like this is just it this is probably why everyone was going to me what business are you going to set up next and what are you going to do yeah (laughs) I, I love recruitment and so at the moment while I'm earning good money and I've got such a great work life balance yeah. Why, tell me why I want to employ staff or set up a company when I'm in such a good place. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because you've gone back to the roots of what you loved and why you did it. And I think that's really important. I think I, I remember actually, it was my husband asked me when I first set up my consultancy and I was doing quite a lot of training again. And he was like, why are you doing that? Why do you? And I was like, because I missed it because you reach a level you're kind of promoted beyond the stuff you loved doing. So I was suddenly managing projects, managing budgets. And actually I was like, you know, political kind of, and I'm like, actually, that's not what I love. I love being in a room with people, helping them to develop themselves, to learn something new. So actually that's what I'm going to do. Hmm. Um, yeah. I see, I like the marketing side. I think the, the aspects of business I love is not the people management, but the people inspirational stuff. So I used to, you know, we yeah. used to have some amazing team days and stuff because it, my brain works very much like a marketeer. So, you know, and I'm constantly sort of spotting opportunities. Yeah. And I want yeah. to get them engaged. So hence the brand of the company um, was so strong because I have the most quite like bounce with the berries. I don't I think there's many, many people. <laughs> I'd forgotten about red, that. I love that. Suit, get the cricket team to come down and bounce in the high street on a bouncy ball. <laughs> on a hopper I remember that so well but, and I think I got something like 500,000 hits on LinkedIn in one night I th- but there was a reason now I look back I was like shit <laughs> <laughs> the thing is though it's the crazy you look ideas. pretty cool <laughs> it was very cold I think as well <laughs> I did it in heels I did it in heels oh, dear, that can thing- also be your other bit of advice to you do what you love and do it in heels do it oh, love it. <laughs> do what you love and do we, we need to needs to be on a card that needs to be you you're probably really good at creating that needs, needs to be that your next instagram post do, yeah, do what you love and do it in heels I, mean, I will credit you i will credit you that is amazing love that 
you could have that on a t-shirt you could have oh, we could have a whole brand thing going on Jane I think that's your new company we've done it we've sorted it you've yeah. heard it live first on this podcast I do I love that <laughs> do what you love and do it in heels I love that I can that's... think of quite a few people who would buy that actually yeah I, I absolutely that cool. love that love that but yeah I, I think when you love what you do the passion comes across and then it doesn't feel like a chore it doesn't feel like you're you know sort of you know just working and, and when you work for someone like say oh I'm now a consultant and, you know and I get a very good bonus and everything but I don't feel like I'm I'm now an employee because I love what I do I have the benefits of all the holiday I have the benefits of the pension and yet I'm doing what I've always loved with the security yeah. at the moment, which is probably what I need just to get me sort of, you know. But your drive on. and ambition and loyalty and all the things that made you great in business also make you great at being an employee. Yeah. I did wonder how I was going to be while working for somebody again. Um, and actually, I just at the moment I'm in well, really, really in a, in a good place, really good place. But oh. yeah, but I, do like that, I love that company name. I know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna write it down. I will send that to you. <laughs> I to to kind of. Um, I'm conscious of of our time, and I just wanted one thing. I wanted to know from you is, you know, you are massive high energy. You have achieved huge amount, and even in the lessons you've drawn, your energy is just so obvious in actually now taking that, learning from it, moving forward with it. How do you create? balance in your life now you talked about having a better balance are yeah. there things that you do to make sure you take care of you and you get that balance there is now I try to I've always I've always liked the gym so you know I'm, I'm not a runner even though I've attempted to run um you know it's a very slow jog um but getting out in the fresh air um I now now the like sunny mornings and I'm working from home I go out for sort of a, a 10 20 minute nothing too much for power walks I'm in my work gear but um I go for a walk just to get the head fresh and yeah. that has really really helped me uh lunchtime I try and again this is a problem I love what I do I'm like oh I'll just send this email I'll, I'll, I'll just call yeah. that cancer I'll just call <laughs> that client and before you know it, it's three o'clock so I, I have to make sure that I go out again for about 20, 30 minutes. I'm sat on my bum all day. Yeah. Um, and I go to the gym. Obviously, I was exercising, um, you know, not at the gym with, with lockdown. Um, and I book my sessions in and I, I train now with a, with a, with a training partner um, because we help one another. We're very similar sort of um, yeah. fitness levels. Um, I guess I've, I've always been like you. Know, I've always been very bubbly. I've always been very high energy, and I think the exercise really does help. I think people yeah. who don't do anything and just as soon as they finish work, go and sit on the couch, it just doesn't work for, for me. And my brain is constantly going. So if I don't exert some energy, I lie in bed and it's just whirring around in my head. Um, and I think as well now, I'm lucky that I've got friends that are just incredible. Even though I didn't open up to them as much as they probably would have wanted me now they now they know the story they're like why didn't you tell me I was like I didn't want to burden you with my worries and they were like heaven I was just like yeah but you don't want to hear it and they were like we'd love to hear it because it like takes takes our worries away like we can help you you know it's like yeah 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 but I just think I think being kind to yourself you know I did a little series um on Instagram and and various places but I think it's like there's 10 little videos over the course of 10 weeks about what we can do it's like listening to beat music getting in some fresh air having exercise smiling it's yeah. one of the easiest things to do being kind to people yeah. you know but sadly not everybody does that you know just being thoughtful and you know just 
cost nothing. So many no. things cost nothing. And I think, if anything, COVID has taught a lot of people, hopefully, that material items, as long as people are happy and healthy, do you know yeah. what? You, yeah. you don't need, you know, a brand new shoes. Like I used to shop a lot for shoes. And handbags. <laughs> I don't need any more. You just need one pair of heels. <laughs> well, yeah. You want a decent pair, definitely. Yeah. Oh, do you thank you so, so much for joining me today, Helen. It's been a real pleasure. Um, I'm sure people are going to take a huge amount from what you've shared. Thank you so much for no, sharing that. And pleasure. the new company, Do What You Love and Do It In Heels, um, will be coming out soon. And yes. I will tag, I will, I will link in your LinkedIn and your Instagram profiles because Perfect. I know you've been doing your little vid- the videos about um, kind of the lessons you've learned and going into that a little bit more deeply so I will tag people in the uh, tag and link those Thank so you. that people can access those um, yeah. and learn a little bit more about you because well, it's a fascinating story. Thank you so much story. for asking me. Thank you so much for being here. I'd like to thank Helen again for joining me today and for sharing her story so openly. The lessons that Helen's shared with us will help, I believe, so many people to ask for the help and support they need and to let go of the pressure that we feel to do everything alone. Helen's capacity to energise people, to influence and to lead is phenomenal and her achievements reflect that. But the lessons she shared also highlight some of the pitfalls of always saying yes and of not cutting yourself any of the slack that you cut others or asking for support yourself. Helen's reflection on what advice she would give somebody starting out is brilliant And if I was to give her a strap line, it would be do what you love and do it in heels. I would love to hear your thoughts on Helen's story today. What resonated with your own story? What lessons have you learned along your own journey? And how have you changed your life or work to act on those lessons that you've learned? please let me know what you think. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to check out previous episodes of the podcast and make sure that you get to listen to future ones, then please subscribe. Thank you.